Can I ask, how's your hearing today? Can you hear me okay? Put up your hand if you can't hear. How's your hearing at home though? Is it, is it good there too? Um, I, I, I can't help but feel that hearing I, I hear ads for people of my age to get checked for hearing. And it's not just hearing companies, it's spec savers now. They're supposed to do eyes, glasses, but now they want to check my hearing. And I've got some mild teaching aids that I don't have to have all the time, but there are certain sounds that I don't hear as well as other sounds. And so, we can be in a prayer group and somebody prays and they've got a softer voice. It's, it's a help to have hearing aids. H hearing is, um, I'll talk to you about it later if you want to get a reference. <laughs> hearing. But sometimes uh, we don't hear because we don't want to. And it comes back to the heart problem. Sometimes it can be a physical issue, sure. And sometimes we can excuse the physical issue, but yet it's more the heart issue. We may be occupied with something else and we just didn't hear. We might be focused on something else and thinking about other things. And the comment comes, whether it's Ron or John at this age or at a 10-year-old age, but, you know, can't you hear me, son? Aren't you listening? Are you deaf or something? Yeah, those sorts of comments can come through. A um, bit of sarcasm at times, and yet the reality is we need to be conscious of hearing because, yes, with those with hearing needs, it is a huge challenge. But yet where it comes to where we are the blockage to communication, that is another problem where we've just tuned out. Um, we've not listened We've not heard. And the Lord brings out that truth in this parable. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Who hath ears to hear, let her hear. Let's hear the word of God. And if we have that capacity to hear uh, with aids or whatever, uh, we need to hear. Because it's important that we hear the word of God and not tune out from these issues of life. Um, today we'd like to look at um, mainly Matthew 13, 1 to 23, but in Luke chapter 8, it's the same account, and in Mark chapter 4, it's the same account. In those three gospel accounts is the parable of the sower, and they're parallel accounts of the same parable. But the setting, then the prophecy of Isaiah, which comes smack bang in the middle, the interpretation and then the application, but the setting. And we read in Matthew chapter 20, <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, the same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and I could imagine this type of amphitheatre setting that it was by the seaside, there was a great multitude gathered 
Jesus was going to teach this great multitude and to be able to have access to them, he went out in this vessel. And the vessel has the idea of more a ship, not a small boat. But he went out in this ship and it was from that ship that he preached. There weren't microphones that day, but Jesus's voice must have been audible to the great multitude as he preached to this great multitude concerning this parable. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And Jesus taught in these parables these earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And he was bringing home a truth by illustrating something that was type of like an object lesson, something to which they could relate. And there was a deeper spiritual message that was coming to bear because of this object lesson that was being presented. And he taught them by, um, it's the earthly story with the heavenly meaning. So it's, it, it's literally the meaning of place side by side. They're together because they're linked one with the other. Here we read in verse 3, it's behold, a soul went forth to sow. And Jesus was catching their attention by saying, behold, and that is to hearken, to, to attend by hearing. Mark itself, in its account, says, hearken, behold, a soul went forth to sow. So it brings out both of those words, calling for them to be listening and to attend by hearing. Listen to this parable. Hear this parable. Behold, hearken, hear what is coming forth. And the parable we read in verse 4, the soul went forth to sow and sowed seeds. And some we read in verse 4 fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. And that's that picture of the wayside or the pathway where the ground is trod. Um, back in younger days I had a vegetable garden and there was always a path in between and there was a vegetable plot this side, vegetable plot that side and that ground in the middle where you walk, 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 it was harder and firmer and you could imagine if seed fell on that it would be picked up by the fowls of the air, they would catch it away and that's the case. Um, in my early work days I was working teaching in the Riverina, west of Wagga Wagga, round Geraldry, Finlay, Dinlilquin. And there at a little school, Osborne Well Public School, it was a scenario where there were wheat and sheep farms, very flat terrain, west of Wagga Wagga, but flat as the ice could see. But it was there on these big wheat sheep farms that the the, the seeds would fall on the side of the road and it was on the hard ground. It wasn't farrowed or ploughed ground. It was just hard. It was like beside the road, it was like a path. Well, like even on the road, it was hard and firm. And the fowls would come and just snatch away that seed. That's that first picture, the seed that falls on the wayside or that which is that trodden down area or that path. The stony ground we read in verses 5 and 6, not only did it fall by the wayside, but some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. 
And that's that picture, and you get this picture of a rocky terrain and some soil, and it's marvellous how some things can grow in that terrain, but because there was lack of depth, but there was soil, it was there amongst the rocks, the seed would fall and it would spring forth in growth because it was there, there was not much depth and the seed was closer to the surface and it would spring forth, but because there wasn't the depth and it couldn't really take root in that soil, and once the sun came, and probably with the heat of the rocks as well, they withered and they perished, and it was not lasting. That was a seed that fell onto this rocky ground, and there was no depth of earth, and it lacked that moisture, and it wasn't enduring. It withered away. Then we read in verse 7 that some fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Thorns can be quite a... I, I, I still remember... Um, does anyone remember blackberry bushes? You might be giving away your age with blackberry bushes. I, where, where I grew up, down in Jellicoe Street, there was a cul-de-sac, and at the end, before it became a sports centre, there was a, a, a paddock. And the blackberry bushes just ran rampant, and I think council just <laughs> sprayed multiple, multiple, multiple. I haven't seen blackberry bushes for 10, 20, 30 years now, but in that era, they were the, that was there. And sure, you could go and pick the fruit in its season, but yet the thorns, the blackberry bush, it was just overwhelming. It would choke, suffocate anything else that was there trying to grow. And these thorns, even in our own gardens, we know the impact of weeds, we know the impact of thistles, but here we are, thorns, that you've got these plants that are like that, and they just consume and they suffocate and they choke out that which is wanting to grow. So the seed falls there and it's just choked out by these weeds, these thorns, that begin to take over that same patch of ground. And then, of course, in verse 8, we read of the good ground, and some brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So you've got that picture. You've got the, the wayside, yes, the rocky soil, yes. You've got the thorny ground, yes. And you've got the good soil where it just produces great crop, great produce. And whether it's a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, the Lord knows, but on that acreage, those the hectares of land that you have, it grows and there's a great produce that comes forth from that land. This is the basic parable that was shared. Introducing this whole thought of the prophecy of Isaiah, because just here as an interlude in between the the initial parable and the interpretation, you've got a reference back to this prophecy, and it's about that it'd be good for us to talk just for a moment. Verse 10, we read, The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto him in parables? That question is asked. Before that, by the way, that statement is made, verse 9, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So in telling this parable of the sower, 
it's, it's, Jesus is bringing out this whole message and emphasis upon hearing. If you've got ears to hear, then hear what is being shared. But the disciples came and said, why speak in parables? And Jesus answered, we read in verse 11, and said, but of course it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given but he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And the message comes forth that blessed are your eyes and your ears because you are hearing. But for them, Isaiah the prophet had spoken about the children of Israel and they had rejected the Messiah. Christ had come. There's even references that they attributed the work of Christ to that of Satan, to Beelzebub. They, there was an outright rejection and a blockage there that there we read here this people's heart that is the children of Israel their, their heart had waxed gross their heart had waxed gross and that's that whole concept of just very hard and callous it comes back to that heart problem their heart was waxed gross <laughs> we have words today with different meanings to young people the, the word gross and others is used, but here in the scriptures we read this one relating to the hardness and the callousness of the children of Israel. They were dull of hearing, they were heavy of hearing. It comes back to the hard attitude that they did not, they could see Christ, but they did not perceive. They could hear these things, but they did not hear. They did not understand. So they were going through the motions. It's like someone who can go to a meeting or to something or to a family conference or to something and the heart is totally in another place. And because that heart is waxed hard, then they won't be hearing because they're in a different world. They, they, they have closed their eyes. They don't want to see. And that's the picture that's coming through here with Isaiah. We read in verse 15, Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Jesus wanted them, converted is turned around, going in a pathway towards God, towards Christ, and yet they had rejected that. Their, their eyes were closed. They were not perceiving because they had shut their eyes. And we read that 
um, their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Um, their blinkers were on. They, they didn't want to hear. They didn't want to see. And that was that hard attitude that was coming forth. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, and we'll come to it in a moment, but yet it'd be good for you to just to see the reference to the heart here. And it's the same in the other accounts. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. And so there's that picture that this seed which was sown in the heart, the, 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 the parables all interpret that the seed is the word of God. It's the word of God that's being planted in people's hearts. And we read that this soil is the heart because it was sown in the heart. It wasn't sown in soil according to this prophecy and explanation of the parable. It was sown in the heart because it's from the heart of the man that a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's from the heart. And so this seed was sown in these different soils, but their heart had waxed gross. It had become very hard and callous. And it was just relating to that unresponsive um, attitude from the Jewish people because they did not want to receive and did not want to understand. Just moving on to the interpretation, the sower went forth to sow and we read that with the heart with the hard ground in verse 15 it might be good to just read to read here the interpretation in, in verse 19 sorry when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart this is he which received seed by the wayside so the one that received that seed by the wayside it was there it was provided and it was caught away. It was snatched away. And it's not describing now the, the, the fowl of the air snatching it away. Now it says the wicked one. It's, it's the devil. It's the wicked evil one that snatches it away, we read in verse 19. It's, it's Satan that's referred to in one of the other parable accounts in the, uh, in the parallel gospel accounts. It's Satan that comes, our adversary, that active living agent comes and snatches away that seed. And so that seed doesn't take root in the heart. It doesn't because it's caught away. It's caught away. And that person doesn't understand lest they should believe and be saved. And we read of that in Luke. And there's that follow-on account that is for that, if they, if it had have taken root in their hearts, they would have believed and they would have been saved, converted, turned around. But that purpose was not achieved. It's that picture of those hard rejecting hearts and they've got minds that are preconceived and they are just in that rejection mode. And that's why I believe that when we're trying to give out tracts, give out a message to someone, speak to a family member or a neighbour or a loved one, 
we really need to pray for the state of their heart, that they'll be in their heart responsive to the gospel. Because it does come down to how it falls in their hearts and pray that the Lord would soften their hearts and they would not have a hard heart, they would have an open heart, a heart that's receptive and open to the gospel message. And it does come back to if the heart is distant, then they'll be far away. And we can be talking and we'll think, oh, they're hearing me. But because they're distant and their mind is on that other thing and they've rejected what we're trying to say, then they're elsewhere. Um, they're not with us. And we just pray that there might be that open heart and that responsive heart to receive the gospel. And so this interpretation is opening up that which is a reality of the seed that is sown by the wayside and that which is caught, caught away. But verse 20, But he that received the word into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but, during, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he's offended. We read here the interpretation of the one that falls in that stony ground. And this is the interpretation that this is the deeper meaning, the heavenly meaning. They've received the word and they've received it with joy. They've received it. There's been a responsiveness. It's been joy anon. They're with you because they've received it. They've sprung forth to life. But there's been no depth, no root, no substance. It's not gone deep into that soil, into their hearts. So they've dureth, dureth for a while. That is, they endure for a while. Um, there's a testimony for a period of time. And then when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, when the going gets tough. In fact, Luke even adds the thought of when temptations come. But in this whole concept of tribulation, persecution, when these pathways come, there's a fading away, there's a withdrawal, they become offended, they, they just a stumbling block, um, the things that have happened. They don't understand that trials may come in life, and whether it's um, pre-salvation or during salvation, but when trials come, we need to say, Lord, Minister to my heart, and may my heart be kept right with you. But it's this whole thought. But verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and becometh unfruitful. And so this third one, where it falls into that thorny ground, that is a description made that they've received the seed. It's in their heart, but yet the thorns come up and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's a choking, it's a suffocating. It's like somebody begins to dabble in those things of the world and they begin to move in that pathway and it just draws them away from that spiritual incarnation, those spiritual pursuits, those spiritual pathways. Where they had a heart for God, there's no longer that heart for God. They've drifted off because of the 
suffocating work, the overwhelming riches of this world and the cares of this world. And it's in that general sense of the mammon of this world, the things of this world that capture that person's attention. Luke even adds the pleasures of this life to this list. So you're looking at the cares of this world, you're looking at the deceitfulness of riches, you're looking at the pleasures of this life. These things pull someone away and they're like thorns that are in that person's life. And we need to pray, Lord, remove those thorns from that person's life. May they get their eyes back on the things of Christ and get their hearts and their minds focused upon the spiritual focus, which is for Christ and for him alone. The positive is verse 23 is that but he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold some sixty some thirty the lord knows that which someone will bring forth but we need to produce fruit for christ and we do and different ones with different capacities different situations we produce fruit and the important thing is that we produce fruit and we go on for the glory of God and for his majesty and for his honor and these ones were Christians who were set apart and walking in that pathway that they said Lord we want to bring forth this fruit for thee because it is that heart matter um, we've read that portion there in Matthew 13, 23, that the bearing of fruit. But if we could please turn to the, the other reference, which is in Luke chapter 8. Because in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, there's a few things there that I'd love to be able to just show you concerning this seed. In following up to this, I'll, I'll just read verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 is a review of that reference to that which fell amongst thorns. And they which fell among thorns, verse 14, are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. That's the account as in Luke. But verse 15, but that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And Luke brings in this added um, thought and perception of an honest and a good heart because it is sown in that honest and good heart. And Luke, and the, and the word meanings for that honest is valuable, worthy, virtuous. And so the seed has fallen into this virtuous heart, this good heart. And it's an open heart and a receptive heart. And it's from this heart that the plant grows and it will bring forth fruit. Brethren, the heart is important. And for our hearts, may we keep it ploughed and worked so that we may bring forth fruit. May our hearts be open and receptive. Yes, with the gospel we read of this account, but yet also with life, with Christians, with 
the principle of this parable is there that there are different soils. It's the same seed as the word of God, but it's how we hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Notice in Luke 8, 15, that those who had heard it, they heard the word and keep it. And they bring forth fruit with patience. Um, so it's keeping that word. It's saying, Lord, I want to keep thy word. I don't want to just hear thy word, understand thy word, receive it, but I want to keep it because I know the secret in keeping thy word will be the, the produce or the produce will come because I'm keeping thy word. It'll be part of that abiding life, that life that is in Christ, that life that is going on for the things of God having a heart that is right and open and honest and good. That's the heart that we desire for the seed to fall. And we say, Lord, may we bring it forth to thy glory and to thy honour. Um, the application, um, brethren, we need to hear the word of God and receive it. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's hear the word of God. Let's not close our eyes. Let's not block our ears. May there not be communication breakdowns. Um, whether, yes, in the practical realm, in families, in life, we can have a, a block where we tune out, but yet we need to hear. And when we hear, we need to have that understanding that we'll be able to proceed in the pathway that God would have us to do. But we need to bear fruit and say, Lord, may that word, that seed, just land in a honest and good heart that it may bring forth much fruit to your glory and to your honour. To the children of Israel, the word was given in Jeremiah 4.3, break up the fallow ground and sow not <laughs> among thorns. Sow not among thorns, but break up the fallow ground. Break up that wayside, break up the soil so that it's ready um, for the harvest, for planting and for produce to come forth. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 we read, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. It's interesting that even there in Hebrew that whole thought of harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Um, please, brethren, if the word of God is ministered and you receive it and you know it's from God, ensure, check the word that it's right and accountable, but we need to receive it by faith and say, Lord, I don't want to harden my heart. Lord, keep my heart soft toward you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7 as well, we read again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because the secret is the heart. It's, it's where the seed falls in the heart. And may your heart be ready and open and receptive to the Lord 
And if you're Christ-rejecting, I just pray that your heart may be open and receptive to the things of the Lord. Um, just in closing, just love to share a few verses from Proverbs. And devotionally, I was reading um, these verses in Proverbs and it was very much on this thought of hearing and be wise and guiding our heart in the right pathway. And in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19, we read, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. And it goes on to talk about those who have gone astray. And Solomon is saying to his son, Hear thou, my son, be wise, and guide thine heart in the way, saying to his son, don't, don't go in that pathway. Don't go in that pathway. Earlier in verse 12, it says, Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. It's important that we hear the words of knowledge. Grasp it, understand it, perceive it, and say, Lord, I pray that it's in fertile soil for much produce to result from hearing this word. Verse 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. My son, give me thine heart. And I really believe the Lord is saying he needs our hearts. He, he needs our hearts and I pray that your heart is for the Lord and for his glory. Um, I pray that each of us will be open and receptive to the word of the Lord. He that have ears to hear, let him hear. And we trust the Lord to work and minister in each of our lives. Let's pray, shall we? A loving Father, we are grateful for the word of God and for the impact of it. Father, it's a basic account. Um, there was reference there about the prophets of old, how they had not seen even that which the disciples had seen because there was an opening revelation that it was being revealed and it was coming forth. And Father, it was all being shown. But Father, the key principle, the key principle that we need to hear, we pray that we won't have blockages where we tune out from your word, that Father, may we be receptive and hear what saith the Lord. Father, may we hear the word, may we hear and may we understand, may we not close up our ears and block our eyes, but Father, may there be responsiveness to the glory of God. Father, may there be a heart that is receptive, that brings forth good fruit, whether hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Father, it's for your glory and for your honour. And Father, may our testimonies be open to Thee. Teach us, Father, the, the, the story of life, the, the value of a soul, the value of your love, Christ, death on Calvary's tree. Father, may we see that value. And as we see that value, as we hear and as we understand, Father, we know that our lives will be transformed to your glory, to your honour. Father, minister to each one, we pray. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen.